Good morning. <clears throat> One of the verse memory verses says, For even hereunto are ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, and was no guile found in his mouth. <clears throat> Amazing and precious words. Let's have a moment of prayer and then I'll begin the message. Father, we thank you that um, you sent your perfect son to die on the cross for us, to pay my penalty, to redeem us, to uh, purchase us with his blood. We thank you for that blood and we pray you and Pour out your spirit upon us today. Thank you for giving us so much and blessing us in so many ways. I pray you quiet our hearts and help us to uh, hear from you today. pray all this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> Turn to Matthew 5. Lately, the Lord has laid um, a topic on my heart. In chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. <clears throat> I haven't really thought much about what meek means, um, or meekness, what it exactly is, or things like that. So I've been looking into that, and um, this is a message on what has spoken to me and blessed me and challenged me. <clears throat> so I'm going to read chapter 5, 3 through 11, and then we'll uh, kind of focus in on verse 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for, the right, for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake. <clears throat> in looking at this and studying on meekness, I think meekness, I think it'd be safe to say it encompasses all the rest of these points. <clears throat> if you aren't meek, I don't think you can hunger and thirst after righteousness. Um, I don't think you can be important in spirit without being meek. So, all, in, in a way, all these things come out of meekness. Um, so, what does meekness really mean? Um, I think often people talk, think of meekness as being just humble or um, submissive or things like that. And when people talk about meekness, I've heard the term meekness is not weakness. And they talk about Moses being a great leader, and, but he was the meekest man on the earth. But it still doesn't really tell 
me what it means and how to apply it to my life. Um, we can look at Moses, and that's a great picture to look at and to emulate, but at the same time, what does it mean to be meek? Is it just to be humble or gentle or lowly or submissive? <clears throat> so, as uh, students of the Bible, how do we figure out what this means? There's many ways you can do Bible study. You could look, do a word study on this chapter and delve into it that way, or you could look at the original Greek or all those things. But um, if you look up meekness in the Bible, it is most mentioned in pro, uh, Psalms. I think over half of the mentions of meek in the Bible are in Psalms. So um, I want to look at Psalms 37. Um, <clears throat> kind of the first uh, 11 verses. In verse 11, it says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. <clears throat> so that, that verse alone is basically the same thing as in the Beatitudes. Um, but when we compare... When we look at one verse of scripture, it's good often to go back and look at the context of it and what was said before it or after it to uh, figure that out. So I'd like to look and see how the first 11 verses apply to meekness out of Psalm 37. <clears throat> what does it mean to be a meek man? And throughout this, I'll be referring to the meek man as he or him. So that might help you make a little more sense of it. <clears throat> I'll just read the first 11 verses, then I might go into it. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall, be, they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers will be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. <clears throat> Verse 1, it says, he does not fret. The meek man does not fret. Helps us to consider what a Christian is. A Christian is uh, a man behind enemy lines in a fallen world, surrounded by darkness and evildoers. So with all that going on, what does a meek man do? He doesn't fret. He isn't running around in a panic because of the current political situation or um, because he heard of some dire situation or event or calamity. He's at peace. He's still and waiting upon God. Why does he not fret? Um, as we'll see later in the verses, it's because he is. It's because he has a strong confidence in his God. 
He's not oblivious to all the bad things going on in the world. Just all the bad things can't compare to how big his God is. <clears throat> and the one that controls his life in the entire universe, he's resting in him. I remember uh, we had some friends that had a lot of chickens, and they had a really, really mean rooster. And I have never seen a rooster that would go so crazy when anybody walked into the pen. He'd just come at you at full force, just try and rake your legs. And, I mean, it was just crazy. So whenever they went to gather the eggs, whenever we were at their house, one person would go in with a baseball bat, and the other person would gather the eggs. And that rooster would go flying across the pen multiple times by the time you gathered the eggs. But you didn't have to fret if you were the one gathering the eggs if you knew the, if you could trust the person with the baseball bat that they'd get the rooster. <clears throat> so it's that idea of resting in somebody else's ability to take care of you um, that I want to bring out in that story that when we, we don't need to fret because God is so big. He, nothing can compare to how big God is. Um, the, the meek man has a view of the character of God. And he has a great confidence in the character of this God. <clears throat> he knows that God will take care of him. He won't let any, anything happen to him that's not for his... Um, betterment and his uh, to, to the end where God can use it for good. <clears throat> it says, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Seems a little bit strange that we'd be envious of workers of iniquity. <clears throat> but I think it's because we see throughout the scripture that the wicked do prosper. God allows them, judgment hasn't fallen on them, I guess is the way to say it. They, they um, God is merciful and withholds his judgment. So we can look at the, the, the evildoers and sometimes be envious um, of what they can do or what they're doing or what they're making or anything like that. Um, but the meek man does not do that. He's not envious of the evildoers. He doesn't look at the wicked and their wealth and want it. He doesn't look at, um, look at men who have compromised spiritually for gain and envy them. Even, even, David, <clears throat> even David got distracted, you see in the Psalms. And when he saw all the wicked prospering and he wondered about that. And, but until he noticed or until he went to the temple of God and met with God and then all that was nothing. He, that was so little in comparison. It wasn't even... It wasn't even a comparison once he met with God. <clears throat> the meek man doesn't worry or fret about all the things going on around him. Even though all hell may be breaking loose over here, or wars and rumors of wars and the foundations of the world are shaking, he has a clear focus. Um, he doesn't envy the wicked men. It's because he has confidence in God and he knows God. what God has said about the wicked. And he knows that if God said it, it's true. And he wouldn't trade places with them for all the money in the world. Because <clears throat> in verse 2 it says, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. 
I don't think you, I mean, you can't really know this by experience. I mean, yeah, there's some, you might see some strong man or powerful man lose his power or a rich man die or things like that. But overall, in a general sense, we don't see this happening around us right now. So the meek man has to trust God that his word is true, <clears throat> that this will happen, and even though he can't really know it by experience, he knows it because God has said it. And he has a, the meek man has a, a faith and a trust in what God has said. So the meek man is someone who knows God and his ultimate confidence in God and what God said. In verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. In the midst of all all these men around about about us that are going this way and... um, Everyone is going one direction and seeking pleasures of this life, going away from God. The meek man is going in the totally opposite direction, away from everybody else. He's going toward God. He has his eyes fixed on God. While everybody else is going in the opposite direction, he is trusting God and doing good. He's like a man with blinders on. He doesn't see... He's not distracted by what's going on to the right or what's going on to the left. He's looking straight forward. He's not distracted by the bad news of global warming or persecution or wars or mass shootings or all all these things that you can get distracted by. But his eyes are fixed on one person. And you can't shake him. No matter what comes, his eyes are continually looking right at God and he's moving towards him. The end of verse 3, there's another translation that I found that I really like. Verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. What's it mean to dwell in the land? What is, how does that apply to a meek man? I think it means there's a solidity to his life. He's dwelling in the land, and it gives a picture of staying put where God has him. Um, The meek man isn't running hither and thither trying to find a new place or trying to find this or that or a better church or anything like that. He's staying in the will of God at rest and at peace, moving forward when God leads him. But when God says to stay and be still, he stays and be still. <clears throat> he just dwells right where God has put him. Often we're quick to and anxious to escape or move on to the next thing or if something's not going the way we want it, we want to, I say, jump ship and move on. But I don't think the meek man, I don't think that's the picture that God gives here. Um, he gives an idea of just being in one place and cultivating faithfulness, working where he's at.
also in comparison to earlier in the chapter. Um, I think this gives an amazing picture. Think of what everyone else around him is cultivating, all the, all the evil, evil around him and what they're cultivating, wickedness, sowing bad seeds. And the meek man is just dwelling in the land, working at knowing God. I think of when you plant a seed and you cultivate something, it's the, the process of helping something to grow. It's, it's a work. <clears throat> I think of the many people I've known in my life that just go from church to church trying to find the one church that they can stay at, the perfect church, but they never seem to. I think God has called us to dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness where we are right now, not to be running around trying to find a better situation, but to, but to grow and work where he has us. <clears throat> and again, we have the picture that the only reason we can do this is because we're looking at God and our, we're not distracted by the things going on around us. And God might have us in this spot just for a specific reason, to minister to somebody or to grow in our walk with him. I want to look at the end of that verse, cultivating faithfulness, also a little more closely. You sense an idea here that he is actively involved and he has a goal. If you cultivated something, planted a seed, and you didn't have a goal of harvesting fruit off of it or growing an actual plant, there wouldn't be much point in putting work and effort into it. The meek man wants to be more and more faithful. He's tending to to that. He's working at it to grow a plant to bring forth the fruit of faithfulness. So the meek man has blinders onto everything and is looking straight at God with the utmost confidence. If God says go, he goes. If he says stay, he stays. He is waiting on the Lord. It is too easy for us to always be wanting to be doing things. Doing things is good, but waiting on God is much better than just doing. If God is not in it, then doing does no good. We can do so much and accomplish so little if God's not in it. We can wear ourselves out doing things when we desperately need to wait on God. Then, if he says to do something, then we do it. Verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. The meek man delights himself in the Lord. He, he finds delight in spending time with God. Everybody needs a place of escape, or uh, not only to be escaped, but to be restored and renewed. Jesus went into the wilderness to pray and to be meet with God. Um, where is that place for you and I? Do we find that place in our Savior? Or do we turn to things of this world? Our phones, hunting, fishing, videos, novels, work, money, acceptance by others. Is that where we find our escape? When we want to get away and relax, what do we do? Or do we find that place in Jesus Christ and 
meditate on him when we need to get away from all this? Do we also remove ourselves from Christ? I think a lot of people, you know, they'll say, oh, I just need to get away from it all. And they'll go somewhere and do something totally, can I say, unprofitable? Yes, maybe they feel physically renewed to an extent. But what are we saying if we want to get away from it and go on vacation and we forget God? We're saying, I need a break from God. God's too much for me. Where is our delight? Our strength comes from delighting in him, from being with him, from spending time with him. That's how we can be renewed and um, refreshed is through him and his word and spending time with him. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. The meek man believes that God will give him the desires of his heart. He believes that God does give good good things to his children. Carnal man can't understand that. Sometimes the Lord will bless with very little money, but give us so many other rich blessings we wouldn't want to trade with the richest person in the world. Or other times he will supply for us economically, but we know it is all from the Lord. God wants to give his children good gifts. I think of Luke 11.11, um, 11, I think it is, where uh, Jesus talks about giving, um, will you give your son a stone if he asks bread, or if he asks a fish, will you give him a serpent? How much more does God delight in giving us good gifts? I think sometimes it's we're more spiritual than God, or we think we are. We... <clears throat> neglect the little things. I think God likes to give us just the everyday things. Um, Things that we may see as trite or too small for God. God loves to give those good gifts. Uh, A few weeks ago, I was putting Selena to bed, and her latest thing for delaying her bedtime is to say she's hungry. So she likes to tell whenever she's all laying down in bed about ready, she knows you're about to leave the room, she says she's hungry. So... The first night, I thought she really was, which she did eat, but then after next night, it kind of dawned on me that this was a ploy. Um, so we started not telling her she needed to eat more of her supper, and then she didn't get any food at night. Well, a couple nights after all this started, um, I knew she hadn't had much supper, and she was going to bed, and she started saying she was hungry. So now what do I do? Because I know she probably is hungry, but I've didn't want to give her food and start the whole process over again. So I told her she really, if she really wanted something to eat, she needed to pray about it. <clears throat> so in her little three-year-old way, she prayed for some string cheese, knelt beside her bed and prayed for string cheese. And she laid in bed, and she seemed very sure that God was going to bring her string cheese. So I had to, I forget why I had to go out of the room, but I was able to go out of the room, get some string cheese, put it in my pocket, and then come back in and slip it under her pillow. And when she found it, she was just sure God had brought her string cheese. And the the thing that does in your heart as a father, to see your little child so dependent on you and so, so trusting, 
If I want a little string cheese, do I ask my father? It blessed me to give her that little gift and to know that it builds up her faith in God. And it made me think how much more it must bless my Heavenly Father if I ask him for little things. And the thrill I got in giving some string cheese, how much more the thrill that God must have when he gives us good gifts. It also made me think about how much I lose out, how much I lose out on when I don't ask God for the everyday things. I start taking them for granted. The little things that just happen through my day. If we ask for the little things, it's a faith booster when we see those prayers answered. When was the last time I thanked God for getting up in the morning and have running water? Just little things like that. There's no guarantee that we'll get up in the morning. When was the last time that we prayed for just waking up in the morning? I mean, it's just just down to all these practical little things. There are <clears throat> so many little little things that we call or we think are so trite, but God continually gives them to us, and we don't recognize they're from Him. <clears throat> God is so well rounded; He gives His children the desires of their heart when they need it, but withholds it when they don't need it. Because he knows what's best for us. There, Here's something about slavery. Slavery is a wonderful thing if you're slave to a perfect master. <clears throat> the master is in charge of everything. What you eat, what you wear, what you do, protecting you, defending you, everything. That's his job. You're only in charge of one thing, doing what the master says. Really simplifies life, doesn't it? When you only have one thing to do. Notice the meek man isn't delighting himself in the desires, uh, his carnal desires. Thought of like hunting or cars or trucks or a house or money or anything like that. He is delighting himself in the Lord. And it's almost like circular reasoning. The more he delights in the Lord, that's the desire of his heart. That's the desire of his heart. The Lord gives him more of it. And it just goes round and round and grows and grows. Psalm 37, uh, moving on to verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. The meek man commits his way to the Lord. He doesn't try to figure out his own way. He doesn't go ahead and doesn't work at trying to climb the ladder, per se, or 
manipulate his way um, to, or to get his way. But he commits his way to the Lord. He says, Lord, do with me what you want. I'm going to follow you and commit my way to you. He's also trusting in the Lord, and the Lord will do it. He will, bring, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light. The meek man knows that God will be his helper. He's not doing this alone or doing this under his own power. <clears throat> a meek man is ultimately a man that trusts God. In Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Understanding. And then in um, verse 7 of 37 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth forth wicked device, who bringeth wicked devices to pass. In Isaiah 30, 15, it says, In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Trust, rest brings a quiet and confidence in our hearts. <clears throat> I heard a story of Hudson Taylor. <clears> That's a perfect example of this. The war was brewing all around them, and people were being murdered and killed. The army was basically at the gate of the mission, and there was nothing to stop them from coming in and killing them all. One of the workers ran into Hudson Taylor's office, all in a panic, saying, They're coming, they're coming. And Hudson Taylor was sitting at his desk, singing hymns. And the worker was like, what are you doing? They're right outside. They're going to kill us all. And Hudson Taylor said, what do you want me to do? What can I do? What should I do? I can't stop them. I can't escape. If I'm going to die, I would rather die singing hymns to the Lord. And if the Lord wants to spare me, he can, but no one else can. He was <clears throat> trusting in God and resting and waiting patiently for God. He wasn't all in a tizzy about men's armies, killing and destroying, but he was resting in God. Hudson Taylor had his blinders on and was fixed upon God. He, he wasn't distracted by all the things going on around him. He didn't fret because of evil men. He just patiently waited on God. <laughs> I worked for one of the ministers out in for the Durham Baptist Church out in Washington for a while, and... <clears throat> He was a good example of a meek man. I don't think I ever saw him get riled up. And I saw many things destroyed in the process of harvest. But nothing ever seemed to really phase him or get him worked up. He just... I heard of a story where the combine driver forgot to swing his auger in and he had his auger sticking out and he turned around at the end of the row and he hit a pull barn and took out like six poles in a pull barn. And he was sitting in the truck with the fieldman of the seed company. And years later, the seedman still tells the story to every combine driver, I think. Because he said he just sat there and uh, Galen looked out and goes, well, got to go. Got some work to do. He just got out and went out and started fixing things. He didn't get all bent out of shape. Um, it didn't phase him. It was just stuff. 
And what a testimony that probably eight years later, the fieldman is still talking about it. He's like, he didn't even swear. He didn't even put his hand on his head or talk about how stupid the combine driver was. He said he just went out and fixed it. Verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. To fret and become angry with the situation around you is not to be meek. We need to trust, like it says earlier in uh, verse 6 or 5, I think it's 5. We need to trust and be at rest in the Lord and lean on him. He will vindicate us. It's not for us to do. And he will bring forth your righteousness in the process. If we can trust and or cease from anger and forsake wrath and fret not ourselves in any wise to do evil. <clears throat> I'm going to read... 9, 10, and 11 together. For evildoers evil shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and, it, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Again, we have God saying the evildoers will be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. All things are ours through the Lord. We just need to rest and trust in him and obey him, and he will give us everything we need. This is what it means to be meek, ultimately to be like Jesus. Jesus was, Moses might have been the meekest man at the time on earth, but Jesus was the ultimate meek man. And if we can emulate him and his likeness, then we will be meek. I think it's one of my greatest needs to be meek and to... Meekness is just more than humbleness um, or being submissive. It means to be totally fixed on Christ. I think that should be the definition of meek. To see how little we are in comparison to how big our God is. Probably one of my favorite verses that I came upon when I was looking up um, meek or meekness was Psalm 149.4. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. A precious promise that God takes pleasure in his people. And he will bring beauty to the meek with salvation through his son.
So just to kind of summarize things, the meek man does not fret. He remembers who's in control. He's not envious of wrongdoers. The meek man is someone who knows God and has ultimate confidence in God and in what God says. The meek man is called to dwell where God has placed him and work at cultivating faithfulness to the Lord and also cultivating, um, I would say, along with that, cultivating his relationship with others and drawing them closer to Christ. The meek man delights himself in the Lord. He finds his every need met in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> the meek man commits his way unto the Lord and trusts in him and lets the Lord bring it to pass what needs to be done. The meek man is at rest in the Lord and waits patiently for him. <clears throat> and last of all, he delights himself in the Lord and the Lord will give him an abundance of peace. <clears throat> That's all I had this morning.